0: BG Holdings, listed on AIM in 2018, and it now has a market cap of around £93 million. It's a professional services group. And to find out more about the company, I'm joined by the chief executive, Nicola Foolston. So, Nicola, stripping the company right down to its bare bones, what's the purpose
1: of the company? Who does it serve? So... I was asked to come in and look at the possibility of taking a legal services business to market around the time that it had really only just been a couple of businesses that had come to the public market, given my prior expertise in bringing a motorsport leisure business to the market for the first time. And what I noticed was that there were certain parts of professional services that I thought could benefit from being both professionalized, run on a more financially efficient and economic basis. So I did take um, the opportunity of taking Rosenblatt, the initial law firm, Public, and then I cherry picked what I consider to be the best in class of professional services that I think could benefit from a kind of commercial upgrade, for want of a better word, and brought them together in a platform. So the purpose of the business was to show really um, both investors and clients what these businesses were capable of doing. Because... Law itself, the legal service business, more so than accountancy or any other professional services, is quite archaic in how it was running and economically quite an old model. So I felt there was real opportunity there. And today, although our market cap does not reflect uh, what I believe to be our current valuation, our, our results do show that on our metrics, in terms of our margins, our net and gross margins, and in terms of our you know other KPIs, revenue per fee, and a, we're operating at sort of the best in class. And that really was the purpose of the business. So I'm fascinated by this best in
0: class and the cherry picking element of your management style. So what, tell us about these products and services so that I can decide if I think you have cherry picked the best. <laughs> best.
1: So again, if you were to say, um, you know, who's the best lawyer and who's the, it, it's, uh, I'm going to give a car analogy, you know, sort of you you know the cars on the high street, you might go, I want a BMW, or I want a, the latest Ford or the latest, and those are Volvo, and those are well-known brands. So everybody knows sort of the well-known law firms What I was interested in was getting under the skin of the industry and, and, and what are the best areas of law? What are the, you know, the Ferrari of law? What's that? And that was dispute resolution, litigation, businesses that, Go, um go after big cases and that's where the money is made. That's where the big mar- ticket margin is. that's where you make good money. and and that's, so Rosenblatt really was the Ferrari of law and the and the well-known litigation houses are not brand names that you may necessarily have heard of as high Street brands um, And similarly uh, you know in that in that case I'll give you an example of a case that that came to us because we're specialists in this field is that we act for we acted for Simon Cowell. In his fight with Sony over the uh, the the, the, um, the sort of ownership and management of Psycho Entertainment, and that in itself is an example. You know, we are not known as entertainment lawyers, and Simon will have had his own entertainment lawyers. But when it came to a fight with the big boys, he came to uh, you know that 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 sort of that that the Ferrari of of litigation. And so similarly, when we look out at um, you know Convex Capital, we like the fact that. Corporate finance businesses often sit on retainer and advise clients what businesses they can buy. Convex don't do that. They only act for sellers. So they go and find businesses that they think are ripe and at the right place in their evolution to be sold. So they are go-getters of that business. So again, there's we like the fact that it was a go-getting, you know, build your business model. Uh, and those are the sort of products that, that we have. Um, and then we went into litigation finance. And again, it, it was a case of people that are of often high net worth founders, entrepreneurs or businesses that are not happy with things that are going on in their commercial world and they litigate to, to resolve that. And, and so again, all of these products that we have are kind of in a, often people think there is no synergy but there's a lot of synergy between them because they tend to service the same client base. So fairly highly entrepreneurial.
0: I'm pretty rubbish at car and racing analogies and metaphors, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a go because in terms of your client offering, are you going to enhance it further? Will this necessitate further acquisitions? Will you be putting
1: another car in your garage? I know that's yes, I mean, as, the, as analogies go, it's good. I like, um, I often like to compare myself to the Volkswagen group and say, you know, the Volkswagen, no one realizes their own Porsche. You know, it's not a Volkswagen. Porsche is a Volkswagen. Mm. So we, you know, we've got Rosenblatt and we've got Memory Crystal in our legal services business. We'd very much like to add other niche brands that are specialists in their field. So we have a full service law firm. We don't need to just acquire another law firm. We're looking for businesses that have a very unique position in the marketplace do something we don't do um, and, it, and by its nature would likely be higher margin um.
0: so shareholders obviously want the best person in the driving seat they want the best people to lead the company but obviously they worry that the best people aren't being overpaid for the services that they provide to the company and ultimately to the investors so what's at the heart of the recently announced executive incentive plan well it's it
1: actually goes to the heart of your question because for me uh, what I found difficult about this particular model is that in professional services you get a lot of other people outside of the senior executives who are income drivers in the business, who are used to taking a large amount of the profits, the the highly paid lawyers, the partners, and therefore, there's quite a pressure on the profits. There's a pressure on bonus pools and what I wanted to do and I've done it through the acquisition of law firms by making sure that partners have um, large stakes in the equity is to ensure that the senior management team is replicated in that sense. And I myself, my trust fund has an interest in, in, in 11% of the company, but I myself am not an equity holder. Um, and um, my, C, my CFO is also not an equity holder. But rather than put us on a large bonus scheme, which we had been on, uh, we've given that up in favor of earning equity in the business. Now, for us to earn you know, equity, the, the business has to grow. And one of the areas that you know, we, we haven't done as well in has been in share price growth. I think when shareholder return in terms of dividend has been good um, and our yield is good. But um, in terms of uh, shareholder price, share, share price growth, um, we, that is an area that I wanted to focus the senior executive team on to deliver. And if we deliver that, we participate in it. If we don't deliver that, we get no equity and we get no bonus regardless of how financially well the business performed.
0: Okay, so you're more in alignment with investors. In my
1: view. Yeah,
0: so you've got an awful lot at stake. So who else is on the board in terms of your wing women and your wing men?
1: So my CFO is a key member of the management team, um, and he is more than just a finance director. Um, He is responsible for spearheading the acquisition strategy and delivers that to me. He also has treasury responsibility in, in, in managing our relationships with our financial providers. And, and he's the, basically my, my right hand man. And there isn't uh, we, we form the RBG executive and there isn't a decision really that I make without him. Um, in terms of in each of my businesses, I have a managing director, CEO role. Mike Driver runs Convex, Texas Shikawa runs Lionfish, and John Driver's our new COO. Operate runs um, the the legal services division. He's a new recruit who's uh, sort of in in the driving seat for the first time. is uh, still in probation, and they are my right hands in the individual businesses, and they are responsible for their P&Ls and for delivering them to me. We, we have got senior HR support as well, because we're a people business. Um, so we do have strategic uh, a strategic HR director who's not a main board director, um, but she is also an advisor um, to the executive,
0: yeah. So you mentioned the share price there. So the share price saw considerable growth from January 2021 to June last year when the stock trick tripled it's declined a little since then why do you think
1: that is had the this was the stock yeah. overvalued do you think no I think and I think we've seen a, quite a decline I mean our, our, our brokers our house brokers are recommending a, 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 a valuation of £1.60 a share so we've seen quite a considerable fallback from the time at which we announced the memory crystal acquisition the reasons for that are really difficult and I spend a lot of time asking shareholders for feedback and we're not getting a consistent uh, response. But I think that the the conclusion I've drawn from it is that it, there are probably two or three factors that are feeding in. Um, one is the fact that we haven't in our litigation investments, either in the legal services sector or Lionfish, had a, a material result. We have had results and we have had wins, but they have not been... Um, multi-million pound wins and I feel that maybe the market is holding its breath to see if my strategy works even though I thought the fact that we'd had some smaller wins was proof of concept I think the other reason is obviously the economic um, background and the turmoil we're having on the markets generally and the reason I'm not just relying on that in the way that people do but the problem is that once that slides your price then you're, we're now running at a market cap where some institutions don't engage. So that's giving us an added problem. So it's a sort of self-fulfilling situation where there isn't enough money at this level in the market, which we need to address. Um, and, uh, and, the, and the other problem is that we're fairly illiquid. So you might, uh, anyone who looks at our trading volumes will see that very small um, sell orders result in in very large movements in price, which is, is difficult what's the company's strategy? What are you going to
0: do to address this? And also dividends. That was a pretty tasty morsel that you gave us earlier on. Mm-hmm.
1: So what I'm going to do to address it is I think I've been quite proactive with retail shareholder engagement and, and, and we're obviously proactive around institutional shareholder engagement. Today, and you'll know this better than I do, um, there is a, re- what is a retail investor? I mean, there is a huge scope um now, between high net worth wealth managers, private client brokers, um, large scale family offices that are you know as large as some institutions, all the way down to someone who's now decided that they do want to do it themselves from their own desk, maybe in their spare time or with their savings. So I think the spread of private investors is much, much bigger than it's ever been. And whilst I think we've got good engagement with the retail shareholder, at what would be the smaller buy-end, what we haven't got enough traction in is the high net worth private client, sort of family office in the middle. And that is my target to try and get much more engagement. And we actually are running uh, at least one, if not two um, investor lunches where we invite key high net worth managers and wealth managers to actually have a deeper dive into the business to get them comfortable with, with what we're doing.
0: And of course, we can go out and have those lunches again. But um, what is a retail investor? Now, there's a PhD thesis, if ever there was one, (laughs) Nicola. So um, at these lunches, what would you say to investors? You know, how is the business doing? You said there that you're not getting the big cases, but how is the business doing? And is it well financed? Yeah, so,
1: I mean, we do, um, yes, we are um, uh, currently have, I think it's, uh, is it 15 or 20, 20 million of debt in the business at the moment, which is a combination of term debt for the acquisition of Memory Crystal and a working capital facility. We're a very cash generative business. So, um, all areas of the business are very cash generative. So, um, that it is well funded and obviously we need to balance things in terms of our M&A aspirations in terms of how we're going to finance them we do have a strong dividend policy we tend to distribute 60% of our retained earnings so again that's a, that's a very large amount of money and gives a good yield we're currently a yield around 6.57% which is is quite incredible i think um so that is what i would say to investors that you know we are we've got big opportunities and frankly if You can see an, an, an investor Chronicle have also tipped us as a buy consistently, actually, Simon Thompson. And therefore, you know, I would be saying to investors, I think you will make you know money on us, we're, we're undervalued at this point. Um, and that would be my pitch.
0: Okay, so let me get a little bit personal because
1: you are the
0: face of the business. So, what is your vision of the company in terms of your own? exit strategy i'm just wondering could the business survive
1: without you in the driving seat well i think that you know you one would love to think that that it wouldn't but of course no one's indispensable um and ultimately i think that the most important thing you want to do in my role is is always build something that has a very solid base and that it's not all about you it's about strength and depth in your management team and that sounds like a typical management cliche but I am only as good as the team around me. And I, can only, I, I am freed up to deliver so much more for the business if I have strong people in those roles. And in fact, I would go one stage further. This is the first time I've been in a business where I've been able to attract entrepreneurs. Mike Driver is an entrepreneur. you know, Texas Shikara is an entrepreneur and they are able to be entrepreneurial within the framework of a public company and a public environment in a way that um, you know, I haven't seen before. So I think actually, you know there are many people who would be capable, not least my CFO, of stepping up into my shoes, um, should I go under a bus, let's say.
0: <laughs> and hopefully that won't happen, but long may that cherry picking continue. Nicola Foulston, Chief Executive of RBG Holdings. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you, Sarah.